0: You are listening to the Becoming Love Conference, a three-part series with Dan Moeller. The event took place May 20th and the 21st. This is part two of three. You guys wrote that? Who wrote that song? Awesome. Wow. Come on, it takes a revelation to write stuff like that. I mean, you have to know something in your heart. You have to see that. Your love is where I find all my breakthrough. You know how people are always saying in the church, man, I'm waiting for my breakthrough. It's his love for you. You you Faith works through love. You're rooted and grounded in love. You've got to settle through the cross that God loves you. That's, it's a settled thing. It's not something you're trying to figure out and find out and life has to prove. If you're looking to life to find the love of God, you're going to get very confused. You really are. Love should be settled. Love is settled. Christ was crucified. Wow, he thinks a lot of our potential, our life, and our destiny. God really loves me. Period. Now, I've seen a lot of people, I mean, I've I've been saved 20 plus years pastoring a lot of that time. I've seen a lot of people get confused with the love of God and they weigh God's love based on how things are going. They say, man, I thought God loved me. I don't know why this. Where's God's love in all this? God's love, you don't find God's love in your circumstances. You find God's love through a son crucified. So Christ crucified is the measuring stick of God's love. Guys, don't don't think this is too basic, what I'm telling you. This is huge. This is how you get established. This is how you get settled in truth where you're unmovable and unshakable. Because you're going to have to try to find faith in the midst of confusion if you don't understand what I'm saying. And if you're trying to find faith, it's not there. Faith comes, it's the spontaneous result of knowing Him. Faith works through love. If love's in question, faith is in a reality. And now you're just driven by need and you're saying all the right stuff from all the wrong places. I'm telling you, we reduced this book to a book of principles more than we realize, and we're quoting them trying to get a breakthrough and get changed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, amen, Val. (laughs) This is not a book of principles you're trying to apply to your trouble. This is an introduction into relationship and love where he's your best friend. He's your best friend. Come on. You don't. So we drove over here together. We talked the whole way. We drove yesterday together. We chatted and talked. We didn't just sit there and look out the opposite windows. He's in the car with you. He's inside of you. Don't just fill space and time with stuff. Just don't create static. Just don't... Come on, our minds are active anyway. Why don't we just activate our heart in Him? He's our best friend ever. Talk to Him. Ask Him questions. Be real with the Lord. Start believing... That he loves you and start confessing that when nobody's around. Not in a confession robot way, but just driving like this. Let it look like this. Father, you really do love me. Right. Oh, it would be so liberating. Come on. <laughs> like, you're just driving. Father, you really love me. I see it. You'd have never sensed your son if my life wasn't worth living. Man, my life is so not a failure. My life is on track. You're doing a work in me. God, you've raised everything up. Thank you. Ah, and whatever is, is getting real in you, you... Oh. Yeah? yeah? Come on. Because you could sing about him all day, but until you're with him. Yeah. Until you're with him. Until you let him become your friend. You know, I tell the story all the time about my neighbor. She's 93 now. Now, she finally went to a assisted living senior place. She's not in a nursing home. She's got her own little apartment and stuff. And it's just better. She's, she's 93 and... And uh, apparently we were out of town for about a month and came home and found she wasn't there. And I was like, duh, what happened to our neighbor? Because I love her. My wife loves her. We we went and visit her. It was hard not to cry because we just don't want to see change like that in her life. And But she's good. She's sound mind and everything. She just, she, she fell. She fell and, and you know, stuff happens like that. Unfortunately, sometimes nobody was around and she was laying under a table for hours, I guess. And, and they just decided it's not good for her to go up downstairs. They've got her this nice little apartment. But... You got to understand, I lived in that house where I live. I lived there for 30 years. She's been my neighbor the whole time. I uh, travel every weekend. I've been a pastor for years, and I've been a pretty scheduled fella. But I mow her grass, I trim her hedges, I climb on a ladder and scrape out her gutters, get all them leaf particles out of there. <laughs> I just do because I want to. There was a time we had a awnings and siding put up, I mean, and eaves and overhangs, and on her eaves and overhangs, and wrapped it all and stuff, and had a guy come and do it, and he put this little business sign in the yard, and she came over crying, and thought we were moving. It's pretty cool. Your neighbor comes crying, thinking you're moving. <laughs> this is cool. But well, here's my point. i lived beside Anne for 30 years. Just through observation, and being around her, and being near her, I could stand up here, and talk to you for 15, 20 minutes about the practical side of Anne and what I've observed and what I've realized by just being near her. And I can tell you she has to love red because she wears the same red jacket for a walk every day until that thing has a lot of holes. Seriously, I'm not joking. And then the next one she wears is brand new red. Every Friday, somebody picks her up, and she comes back, and her hair looks really, really nice. And I know in the morning she has to love McDonald's because she's got that little McDonald's coffee and <laughs> somebody picks her up and takes her for breakfast and she must hang out and chat with her friend at McDonald's. And I mean, I could just talk about Anne for a while, but until I go over and knock on her door and look her in the eyes and say, Hi, Ann. My name is, or hi, my name is Dan. And she shakes my hand and shakes my hand and says, Hi, my name is Ann. I can't tell you I know her. I've been around her, I've seen her, I've experienced her at some level, but until we commune like that, until we connect like that, I can't tell you I know her, I know about her, I know of her, and I know some things I could share with you. It's like that with Jesus, guys. You can hang around in church all your life and you can actually preach sermons and not really know him. Let me tell you how clear the Bible is on that. And don't get anybody heavy on this. I'm smiling. I'm lighthearted. <laughs> Come on. Come on All right, yeah. Here's what 1 John says Beloved, let us love one another. Why? Because God is love. And he that loveth is born of God, and he who loveth not just doesn't know God. Doesn't say you don't, pastor. It doesn't say you're not called. It doesn't say you don't lead worship. It doesn't say you don't minister. It doesn't say you're not sincere and see your need for a Savior. But it says if you don't love, there's one reason. You don't know Him. Which means you can't know Him and not become love. Wow. That's inspiring to me. That means knowing him is the change of my life. Not knowing about him, reading about him, talking about him, preaching him, being with him. Songs were amazing. They were really intimate, awesome songs. Yeah, way to go, man. (laughs) I really enjoyed their songs. That's why we weren't in a hurry at all I, He said, look, the mic's not working. You might want to just jump up there. I said, really? I don't, I mean... He said, well, they're kind of waiting on us. I thought, (laughs) they really weren't, were they? (laughs) But they were, but they weren't. They were making the most, you guys are good. They don't need need any permission. (laughs) No. And and, uh, it was just good. Listen, I say this all the, all the, all the, all the, all the time. Nothing compares with your ability to be with him. He opened that door, so be with him. It's no simpler way to say it. You can get distracted. You can say, well, something's blocking me. No, that's you. That's wrong thinking. There's not a devil in hell that has the ability to keep you from him if your heart wants to be with him. I'm just telling you. You're living by feelings. You're waiting to feel free. You need to get alone and declare you're free. You need to get alone and say, you've delivered me from the power of darkness. You love me. You're for me. And you want to live in me. Here I am. I'm just telling you, man. See, that just makes me like, ah. It's just. You just feel that all over you. you. You get alone with Jesus and you start believing the gospel. The gospel will come on you and come alive in you. And you start coming out of the room knowing Him more. And in knowing Him is where your life's changed without you biting your lip trying harder. It's where grace changes you. It's where grace saves you. You're saved by grace through... So as you release faith in the truth and seek Him who is the truth, grace comes to make truth your reality without you trying to change. Did you get that? We're trying harder a lot because we're sincere. You wouldn't try hard if you weren't sincere. The trouble is with trying hard when you're sincere, if you think you're failing, then you step back, you get condemned, you always assessing, you're always, ah. Come on. He says a good tree can't bear... So a sincere person hears that and all they hear is fruit and they assess their tree and come up with a bad apple and say, I guess I'm not good. And then he says, a bad tree can't bear. And now you look and say, but wait a minute, I'm really confused because not everything in my life's a throwaway. God has done some good things in me. And now you're confused because a good tree can't bear bad fruit and a bad tree can't bear good fruit. So you're saying, what am I? Because there's a couple things in my life that I probably haven't addressed, and there's one thing I've actually ignored, and it ought to be clipped, and I haven't clipped it, so I can't be a good tree because there's a bad fruit, but I can't be a bad tree because there's a lot of good things going on in my life. And here's what we don't understand we're hearing fruit, and he's talking about tree. He's talking about knowing who you are, identity, being fixed in the truth. He's not talking about your productivity, he's talking about who you are. And it's amazing how we're geared to hear fruit when the whole conversation's about tree. (laughs) <laughs> a good tree, tree, a good tree. Can't bear bad fruit. He's not saying a good tree can't bear bad fruit fruit The the, the primary noun in the sentence, I'm not an English major, but I do remember this from school is tree. And it's amazing how we're geared to hear fruit and in our sincere hearts get tricked into works and condemnation. And the very thing he's trying to establish, identity, gets twisted and marred. What he's saying is you tell somebody who they are and you get them to believe who they've become, the fruit's automatic. You get somebody who doesn't know who they are, the fruit's automatic. The trouble is they're sincere, they care about it, and now that condemns them instead of empowers them. So he says, so either make it, because he says you'll know a tree by it. So look, I'm not a rocket scientist, I'm not a deep guy, don't get offended because I'm not deep. Does an apple tree produce an apple to prove it's an apple tree? Why does an apple tree bear an apple? See, I'm pretty simple. Okay, so did that thing sit out there in the field and suck up the rain and soak up the sun? Yes, yes, I knew I was an apple tree. Deep down in, I knew I was an apple tree. Come on, why did it pop out an apple? Because it is an apple tree. Guess where it was an apple tree? In the seed. Whoa. This thing is so simple, so powerful. So he said, you know them by the fruit. So he said, so either make a tree good. You teach people who they are. You tell people who they've become now that he's come. You make a tree good and it's fruit." You make a tree bad? You, you teach somebody? Well, you're just always messing up. Well, you need to straighten out. Well, God saw that, and He's probably frustrated with you. You ought to get it right. He gave you how many opportunities to change, and you haven't even tried to change. you got to be... You just teach somebody they're a loser, guess what their fruit is? Losing all the time. You teach somebody they don't matter, guess what their fruit is? Vain and it don't matter. You make a tree good, fruit's good. You make a tree bad. So take this on a personal level with relationship and communion guys and them songs we just sang. They were powerful. You start realizing that guilt, condemnation, and shame isn't an option. Why? Because the blood's speaking better things. That's not a permission to stay the same and get away with it. That's a reason to change. Change. That's a reason to say I'm more than whatever I've been. I'm more than failures and mistakes. God has a greater potential and destiny for me. Or He went ahead ahead and paid the price to redeem me out of this mess. God knew everything and He still came. Come on. He is not thrown in surprise by my yesterday. And He's willing to wipe me clean and wash me clean and put His life inside of me. Right? Come on. So He paid a price to redeem the truth about you. He paid a price to redeem your present and your future. He values you. So He shed His blood for you and me. Come on, make a tree good. Tell people who they are. Tell them their life matters and they'll start living that way. Tell them that everybody in the store of humanity wears the same price tag. There's no price checks and barcodes and value and less value. We all cost the same. <laughs> Yay. Yay. <laughs> So there's no guilt and condemnation and shame. Why? Because while we were yet sinners. It doesn't mean some preachers are afraid to preach this stuff because they think we're empowering sin living and just trying to claim forgiveness and stay in the same. No, no, no. There's no guilt, condemnation and shame because before he came, we were sinners. We were lost in sin. We all sinned and fell from the shore of the glory of God. But in that place, he came and said, your lives are more than that. He didn't come to just forgive you. He came to redeem and transform you and make you a new creation. He came to put a new way in you, a new life in you. Yeah. Come on. This isn't just pardon pardon me. This just transform me. Come on. So, I'm not afraid to preach the power of righteousness. I'm not afraid to preach that there's no more guilt. Look, guilt, condemnation, and shame are never used by heaven. Ever. You can't find in Scripture where they're ever in the tool belt of God and He doesn't subcontract the devil. He doesn't hire out the devil like people preach. There's no communion or fellowship between light and dark. Opposite realms, there's a war going on. He doesn't subcontract him to do his dirty work. God is clean and righteous and he's light and in him is no darkness. Yeah, he's my father. Guess what that makes me? His boy. (laughs) So he happens to live in me because he wants to. I didn't even beg him. He made me that way. (laughs) I was a house fit for a king and didn't even know it. I was living for your approval and didn't understand he loved me. I was living to be encouraged by stuff and things and surface and blah. You're always striving. You're always in a rat race to feel okay. And everything else matters more when it doesn't matter most. What a lie. Never again, friend. It's 20 years into this thing, man. I ain't changing my mind now. It's way too late. I'm either the most deceived man you ever met and I'm whacked and you need to take the mic Or I'm on to something. And I'm free. And I got all my chips on free. Time's going to tell, but I'm believing it's free. (laughs) Yeah? 20 years isn't eternity, but it's long enough to convince my heart. And here's the reason. Circumstances change. People change. People make mistakes. Unexpected things pop up. But truth never changes. And love never fails. So the foundation where I'm living from is the most secure thing ever, guys. Oh, my goodness. It'll never change. I used to say this and I always thought it sounded corny. I haven't said it for probably a couple years. I don't remember saying it for a long time. So maybe it'll sound corny, but it's in my heart for you guys. Maybe you can handle it. I don't know what. <laughs> a million years from now, God's not going to blow a whistle and stop everything and call me to the forefront and say, I think I made a mistake. I think I misjudged you. I'm in. Amen. And the truth makes me free, and he'll never change his mind. My life is settled forever, and I can't even wrap my mind around what that means. <laughs> like, I'm never gonna die. Ever. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, I'm in. Accepted in the beloved. I let that matter most. Oh, yeah? yeah. <laughs> so all of a sudden, it's not the gospel's not a survival kit. I'm not praying to God to catch a break. His kingdom's inside of me. His ways are inside of me. And all of a sudden, now I realize I'm just a sojourner, a pilgrim, just passing through. I'm seeking a homeland. Oh, if I call to mind, I can return to that one in which I came. But what about going after Him? Come on, it's Hebrews 11. It's all there. I read this book. It changed me. <laughs> the key is believing it. Oh, you can believe your feelings and you can believe your friend's opinion. Or you can believe the word of the living God. See, it's, it's a paradox, this feeling thing, because our feelings that we grew up with. I said it last night. I'm saying it again. The feelings you grew up with didn't come from God. The emotions you grew up with aren't from the Lord. People say, well, God gave us emotions, not the ones you grew up with. Adam handed them to you. Come on. They came from the foundation of selfish thinking, thinking for yourself. All your emotions are hinged and coming from the wellspring of the dysfunction of the fall of man. Bible seminaries teach you that it's a gift to rationalize and reason. Don't let anyone infringe on your ability to sort things out and hash things through. That it's a God-given privilege. And it's, it's a scary teaching because God never gave you the ability to talk yourself out of Him. The human reasoning you grew up with came from Adam and Eve when she listened to the voice and chose another way. She had the way. All she ever heard was his voice, and now another voice suggested some things. She submitted and surrendered, and was deceived. And Adam followed her, and we come under and subservient to that thing ever since. And it's called the way that seemeth. Right. Don't tell me God made us that way. The way that seemeth right to a man always leads to destruction. That is not a created value and a gift and a virtue from God. It's a deception that came when man fell you guys follow me you think about your emotions some of this stuff the biggest trap is we just think it's all normal and it's the way everybody's always going to be and this is the way we are and it's amazing God considers us and wow it's a wonder that he loves us isn't he amazing and now love is surrounded with mystery instead of understanding and all of a sudden we can't imagine why God would love people like us well there's no hope for change in that scenario we're just mystified by a Mysterious God that has the ability to love us, even though we're not that lovable sometimes. That's kind of how we preach the gospel. You guys okay? Some of you are really looking at me. Like... We're not quite at a deliverance meeting, faces yet. Like... We're getting close, though. <laughs> I'm just having fun. <laughs> for God did not, did not send his son into the world too. He did not. Well, that ought to work for everybody. He did not. So condemnation can never be him. There's no condemnation in Christ for those who don't live according to the flesh, but live according to the Spirit. So people say, well, that's my problem. See, that's why I'm condemned, because I've been living by the flesh. The flesh means your own ingenuity, your own ability, your own works. Your own in- It's you making yourself righteous in your own means. You live by the flesh, you live by the Spirit. The Spirit means to live by the truth that's in Christ. It's not a mystical thing. It's just simply living by the truth that's in Christ. It's to live by the Spirit. So, I'm not condemned because my heart's sincere and I'm going after him. I'm not bound by and limited by perfection. I'm driven by a pure heart, and the pure heart shall see God, and I'll grow up into him in all things. What a relationship. Unveiled, one with him. Yay. Isn't that powerful? Zero condemnation. So even if I stumble, the last thing I'm thinking about is finding a way to stumble and get away with it. I don't want to stumble, but I know in my own ability I will stumble, but in Him, I can grow into things in Him. So I'm not thinking stumble, I'm thinking grow into Him. I'm thinking you love me. Holy Spirit, you're amazing. You empower me. God, this tree's been made good. The fruit has to be good. So all of a sudden, I'm not trying to be holy. You're holy in the sense of you're, you're living righteous and it produces its fruit to holiness. When you see what you become your life reveals what you believe and all of a sudden you're living holy without trying to be holy wow and here we are thinking we're barely saved and we're just scratching through and it's a wonder he considers us see we're identifying ourselves based on who we've always been not who we've become are you guys with me condemnation it's a lie. It's, it's it's not a tool from God. True heavenly conviction, shining a light upon, second guessing something in your life and saying, Man, that wasn't wise. That's healthy. And you look up and say, God, thank you for the light in my life, the truth that you're burning in my heart that's discerning these things and showing me what's productive and what's not. Because years ago, I'd have stayed in this arena and justified it, and it doesn't produce a thing. Wow, you're growing me. Wow, you're changing me. So in the midst of a temptation or an expression of human weakness, you're actually finding strength and truth in God, communing with Him and rejoicing that He's changing you. All of a sudden, you're wiser, sharper, and smarter, and you never miss a beat, and you stay unveiled the whole time. It's not boo-hoo, can you pray for me? I messed up yesterday. That doesn't change a thing. That just makes you very conscious of your mess up. And I'm not like making light a mess up. What I'm saying is we handle it in righteousness, not condemnation. You don't lose your identity when it's already found in Him. You don't let you decide who you are. You let Him in you decide that. Yeah? Guilt. Here's what was in the song. It was like guilt, condemnation, and shame. Preach it all the time. They're, they're anti-finished works of Christ. They're anti-gospel. They go against the grain of what he accomplished. Guilt, condemnation, shame are never for the believer. Yeah, that's right. When you live guilty, here's what you're saying. When you live guilty, you're actually declaring in the guilt that I'm not forgiven. And the blood doesn't say that. When you live condemned, you're actually declaring, My life is worthy to be judged. And mercy triumphs over judgment and He didn't come to condemn you, but through Him you might be saved. John 12. Oh my goodness, it's so much word on that. Shame. Tragic. You know what living in shame is? It's you declaring what you're ashamed of is still who I am, so the tree ain't good and the fruit can never change. The life will stay the same because you're bound by shame. So shame is dictating your actions. And you can't live beyond the shame. You'll produce what you're ashamed of even though you're ashamed of it. Isn't that tragic? So what you get tricked into believing you are is what will be hanging on your tree. But If you believe the gospel, you can get saved. You can say, wow, my life's worth living. You're doing an amazing work in me, God. My life is valuable and precious. No matter how many mistakes I've made, there's a destiny in front of me. And your blood washes me and makes me pure and holy in your sight. Do you know how many Christians haven't even thought that, let alone prayed that and talked that to God? Your blood makes me holy and precious in your sight. You are so not ashamed to call me your own. You wouldn't ignore, you wouldn't turn away from me in a crowd. You wouldn't be ashamed of me in a crowd. I I mean, I've had fun with this thing over the years with people. I I say, I figured God, he's the father, he has this wallet with this giant thing that unfolds with all his kids' pictures. (laughs) But I'm right there. I believe I'm on his fridge, man. I just take it personal. I don't Michael, Gabriel, check it out. Did you see Dan? Yes, Lord. Earlier today, you pointed him out. Well, isn't he awesome? I just love the guy. See, growing up, that kind of thinking, growing up, that kind of thinking in the churches I grew up in, that would have been heresy. That would have been thinking highly of yourself. And you say, well, you shouldn't be thinking more highly of yourself than you ought. I'm not. I'm thinking what he says. I'm thinking what he accomplished. Come on, tell me, tell me I have, don't have value if he, didn't, if he paid that kind of price. How do you give your life and shed your blood when you're innocent for the guilty and you can't find value in that sacrifice? Why is it always about depravity? And why is it always about the mess up? Why is not it about the future, the destiny, the potential, and the purpose? Why is it always about how bad we are? Why isn't it about what we can be? Come on. Come on, if the goal of our instruction is love, can I walk in love? Will Holy Spirit empower me to follow Jesus if he said, follow me? Come on, he didn't say sing to me when the music's right, when these guys are tearing it up, join in and sing a chorus. He didn't say that. He didn't say pray when things are trouble. He said, follow me. He didn't say, sing to me and pray to me when you're distressed. He said, follow me. (laughs) So, probably oughta. (laughs) So, if I can't find it in his life, I don't want it in mine. If I can't see him thinking it, I don't want to think it. If I can't see him speaking it, I don't want to speak a language that life taught me. I want the giver of life to put those words in my mouth. Come on, we've been taught by lies, our whole life, False teaching, the spirit and age, the spirit of this world, this age, has trained us growing up. Nobody you didn't have to go to school and take a course on jealousy? You didn't go into preschool and learn how to be angry. You already were when somebody took your toy and you weren't even two. <laughs> eh) eh, eh. As precious as kids are, they're going to need Jesus. Because until Jesus, it's just everybody for themselves. Mine, my toy, now I want it. We just call it normal. It's called the fall of man. Mothers do their best, and the children still do it. They say, where am I failing? I must be a terrible parent. No, you're probably the best. Your child's just going to need saved someday. (laughs) So model Christ, stay in peace, show them their value, and one day they might look at you while you're tucking them in bed and say, Mommy, you're different than me. I love you, Mommy. I like what I see in you. What's different about you, Mommy? And you say, oh, honey. And you share, and they say, I want Jesus too. Wow. That sure beats getting disheartened and condemned and think you're failing as a parent because your child threw a tantrum. <laughs> I don't know where they get it. Me and my husband haven't even been fighting. Honest. <laughs> <laughs> we, we just think everything is learned behavior. No. It's given through the fall. It, you formed in iniquity in mama's womb. You're born into something and by nature you live for yourself because it's the perversion of what you were created for to live for his image. You're created to live for his image and every one of us grew up living for ourselves. Come on. You were trying to find a name, friends, fit in and feel valued from the time you can remember it's been a rat race. To measure up, compare it among ourselves... Hurt by what was being said. Nowadays with social media and stuff, it's, there's fragile people out there getting crushed. People just post something a little negative and you think the whole world sees it and now you're a loser. <laughs> I can't believe they posted that. Oh my God, my life is over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess if you find your value there. <laughs> I guess, I'm just going to be wrong with this. I guess if you don't believe the gospel... Your life's over. You believe the gospel. Your life's just beginning. You're finding out who you are. And yeah, you might have made mistakes, but don't make that light. Don't take that lightly. and say, hey, well, it doesn't matter what I did. God still loves me. I'm not preaching that. What I'm preaching is my life is more than this. And me knowing that pulls me out of this and into him, and he empowers me to live a new life. So I won't be accused of hypocrisy and oh, well, God knows my heart and I'm still doing everything wrong. No, no, no i found a love relationship that changes me. And He makes me brand new. And His Spirit in me empowers me to follow Him because I want to. You guys with me? Come on, this is who we are in the room right now. I don't care how big or how small this room is, if we individually start living this way, it'll make a difference in your sphere of influence. It'll make a difference in your relationships. Make a difference in the people you pass by and bump against and rub against through life. And if you multiply the sphere of influence that's in this room together, that's covering a lot of ground. So rather than just saying, I believe in him, we can become more like him and our lives can be lived effectively without us biting our lip trying to be evangelistic. (laughs) We're just walking in the light as he's in the light. We're not trying to reach out, love just does. So you're not ever caught in works and you're never discouraged. You're just enjoying life in Christ. And people see your life and your light so shines before men. I think it's supposed to be that simple from the beginning. Amen? Somehow we made it all about blessings and answered prayers and full vats and barns and getting enough and surviving and making it till the end. Now we're wrapping all our faith around prayers that benefit my day instead of transform my life. Be careful because if that's what you're praying, you'll probably find yourself discouraged and disheartened at the end of some days. You might even get tricked into thinking, well, why isn't my prayers working and where's God and what did I do wrong and what door did I open why isn't God blessing? Next thing you know, you're turned inward and it's just all about you and how things ain't going. Come on, be careful with that stuff. I'm sorry that stuff gets preached so much. Somehow it gets preached so much because it wins the ear of the hearer and it draws crowds and it brings people. Because you make it all about them and what they can benefit from the Lord instead of how they can become like Him. That's where the honor is. That's where the true victory of the cross is found, people. It's not in your blessing. It's in your transformation. In your transformation, you'll be so blessed it's ridiculous because you're finally free from your biggest enemy living for yourself. Yeah, like if you're not free from yourself, you think everybody else is your problem. And you got four reasons for not being okay, and it's not you. It's somebody else. You might even think it's the devil. You know, God asked Adam, how did you know you were naked? Did you eat the tree? It's the first sign of sin in your Bible, the first effect of the fall of man. It's the first expression of Adam after the fall. Adam, how did you know you were naked? First of all, he's hiding from the Lord. That's a pretty good sign. His father. He's hiding, embarrassed, ashamed from his presence. Adam, where are you? Who knows God knew where he was? He's a father. He's calling him out. He's locating his heart. Adam. He didn't just come and go poof and manifest behind the bushes of the rock. (laughs) Ah! He didn't do that to him. Adam. Because all of a sudden, this guy knows he's naked. It's like a sad day, man. And he, it's a sad day, very self-conscious. My body. (laughs) Do you know how self-consciousness has just destroyed people? Do you know how you young ladies come under the pressure of what we've done with beauty and fashion and... Appeal, and from the time you're so little, you're pressed into being something, and you're either in or you're not, or you try really hard and want to believe and do, and ah, uh, oh, breaks my heart. And we men haven't helped that at all. Oh, I hate it. I mean, just, you have no idea. I know that's a harsh word, but I don't like that. I like when people are free and see their creative value, and they're just happy with who they are. And they're not trying to compete and compare and measure up. And they're just being sincere and upright. And when you hear their name, you know they know God. Amen. That's the goal you ought to all be living for, man or woman. Not all this other stuff. <laughs> That's a topic that just rakes on me, man. He says, Adam, I'm going to get off of that so we can be safe. Because we, we were on thin ice. You have no idea. No, we were on shaky ground right there. We are about all ready to fall in the pond. Get off the ice. And we're breaking. No, I'm backing out. I'm backing out. I'm good. He says, no, no. No. He says, Adam, how did you know you were naked? Did you eat the tree that I forbid you? Now, is that a yes or no question? He couldn't say yes or no, could he? Because now he's self-conscious, self-defending, self-protecting, self-justifying. Now he's all about himself. He's not love anymore. He's not love anymore. He's self. Love doesn't seek its own. Love takes no account of the wrong done to it. Love's all about the other. Now he's all about himself. So he couldn't say yes and he couldn't say no. He said, it was the woman you gave me, for she gave me to eat. What's he saying? If you wouldn't have gave me the woman, I probably wouldn't have ate. Don't look at me. Oh, that's what he's saying. He looks at the woman and says, what is this you've done? And she said, it was the serpent he gave me to eat. In other words, the devil made me do it. All those answers? Eh. They're not true. Adam, did you eat the tree? <laughs> yeah. Man, I got confused. Eve ate it and I walked over and she had it and I just got my eyes off of what she said and I ate it. No, he couldn't say that. He blamed God and he blamed her. The first effect and expression after sin from a human being in your Bible was self-justification. Blame-shifting. And instead of laying down your life for another, living at the expense of someone. The total perversion of love was evident in Genesis. Love was perverted. So man was created in God's image to love. Love got cut off in the garden. Man got cut off from the vine, from the source of love, and became in desperate need of love, and became self-serving and self-sufficient in his own right. And lived apart from God until Christ came. And we get born again. And somehow we turn born again into a prayer that favors me, benefits me, and takes me to heaven someday when the trumpet blows. Instead of a life transformed. Instead of a restoration back to truth. Where I deny myself. Pick up my cross and never let sin against me produce sin in me. I overcome evil with good. Tone down a harsh word with a kind word mercy, triumph over judgment. I carry my cross. I never let what men don't see define what I do see because my eyes are on the light. Come on. And then I'm following who? So I'm denying myself, picking up my cross. That means I'm what? Following him. If you don't deny yourself, you can never follow him. You can just sing to him. You can serve in his name. You can preach sermons, but you can't follow him. you end up a hurt minister. You actually think the people's faithfulness should determine your encouraged level instead of God's unfailing love for you. You actually think you have a reason to not be okay because of people when you have every reason to be okay in Him. I'm just telling you. On the night he was betrayed, he wasn't crying and calling a friend. He was laying down his life and giving his body and his blood when he rose from the dead and Mary saw him and said, Rabboni! And she clung to him. He said, don't cling to me. Go tell my low life, two-faced, say one thing, do another thing, disciples, that I have a score to settle with them and I'm not very happy. Oh no, he didn't say that. He said, go tell my brethren. Wow. See, this is what love looks like. You just take a good look at Jesus. Come on, he rose from the dead and he called his disciples brethren and they didn't do one thing right. And what they said they would do, they didn't do. And when he walked in the room and found them there, they weren't having a prayer intercession time and a worship time like I saw you guys have today. They were huddled for fear of the Jews because they thought they were next. So they were saying they'd die for him and they were still busy loving their own lives when he walked in the room. And he said, peace to you. (laughs) I don't think that's an enablement. I think that's life changing. I don't think he's empowering their weakness. I think he's calling them out of it. When he says, go tell my brethren, what's he saying? I haven't changed my mind about any one of them. Come on. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he walks in the room. He says, peace to you. Shows him his hands, breathes on him. Says, go and as the Father sent me, I send you. And then he gives them a commission to go change the world by loving the world. Amen. And they still haven't done one thing right. They're standing in the sin of fear. And he didn't say, you need a discipleship boot camp. I need to put you through another crash course. I need to send you to one of these supernatural ministries. I'm not against them. I'm just telling you what he put in them was enough. And what he's saying is, it's time to go do this thing because it's who you are in me and I ain't changing. Come on. In Matthew 28, it's the same story. It's just it's the same outcome, but it's just a different. He comes and he says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Don't think he was passive. Well, guys, I'm really encouraged. Because <laughs> all authority that can possibly be in heaven and earth is mine now. <laughs> I'm telling you this. <laughs> oh. All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Now go, Jesse, in my name. What's he doing? He's making Jesse one. And he's saying, I in you, you in me. As you go, I go. I already went. Now you go in my name. It's not because he did everything right. It's because he did everything right. He said, I'm giving you my kingdom because you were created to live it and carry it and manifest it. All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go in my name. Go. And with the scepter of righteousness, he rules his kingdom. Be right in my sight. Be right in my sight. And you bow and kneel before him and he dubs you with righteousness and you rise up in the army of the king. Come on. Come on. That's not hard to understand. Make a tree good. Fruit good. You think I believe this and I'm going to have people issues today? You think I'm going to get caught up in stuff and he said, she said, well, I don't feel, well, how come? Not today, friend. Tomorrow ain't going to work for that either. (laughs) Come on, don't you get distracted from a truth that's here to set you free. Don't you get all caught up in tit for tat and he said, she said, and believe the way you grew up is normal. Don't you believe the language out there and the mentality out there is normal. It's perverted and it has twists to it and it gets you off track and off truth. (laughs) So I guess it boils down to this. What do you believe? Because this thing is all about believers. It's not just manifestations. It's not just goosebumps and God coming and rocking you with his fire. It's you believing the truth. I think we've gotten away from simple belief, seeking all these manifestations. I'm not against God doing things and manifesting. Believe me, I'm not. But I'll tell you, I am way for believing him. If you stand before God and have the testimony of a believer in that day, everything else will fall in place. Oh man, yay. I just, I just want heaven. When heaven hears my name mentioned, whatever that looks like in that day, that's a believer. Because if that's the testimony of my life, a believer, I don't need apostle. Wow, he was all over YouTube. Whoopee. (laughs) Believer. Because watch. This is going to be a little tight. You relax with me. Take a deep breath and get relaxed. (laughs) The life you live reveals what you believe. It's not the words you speak. It's the life you live. The life you live reveals your faith. That's why men are judged for the conduct of their life, for their works, whether good or bad. It's your life that reveals your faith. So if you walk in mercy and you make peace and you show love, you believe what I'm preaching. If you're struggling with it but you're dealing with it and you're alone with God and you're making change and you're thanking Him for increase, you believe what I'm preaching. If you just get tricked into saying, oh, well, everybody has their moments, and I think that's a little out of balance because we all have feelings, and I'm not a robot. (laughs) You'll probably find that you didn't believe. You believed your life instead of His in you. You believed the way you were trained by instead of the new and living way. Because until Jesus came and stood up and said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, we were in the dark. Friends, come on. How you get around this, it's just too solid. There's too much word in it. I've quoted too many scriptures. <laughs> it's the reason he sent his son it isn't just to forgive you, it's to redeem and transform you so that you walk as the living expression of his heart on the earth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And and I've been around Christians that have been Christians so long in certain camps and circles. They've lost their disposition. They're mean. They're mad. They're self-righteous. They're so judgmental. It's hard to even hold a conversation without correcting them every two sentences. (laughs) Yeah, I come to this church because nobody in this town really understands. And that church down the street, they are so religious. It's ridiculous. I don't even know why they bother going to church. And I'm like, "Wow." wow. I say, can I talk to you for a minute alone? Oh, I'm serious. I'll, I'll talk. I love you too much to just go. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then walk around and go, oh, brother. And I say, man, they're really ain't getting it. That puts me in the same position. Come on, if I see that. I said, man, I was in a service. This lady came running to me. The pastor said, don't anyone hold him back. There's a ride waiting for him to get him to the airport. He's running close. He came here just being gracious and squeezed us in. And it's very tight schedule. So I need you, my whole congregation, to honor this man and let him run out of here without holding him up at all. And everybody's like, see ya. And it was funny. I was like, bye. And this lady is shot out around me. And i seen her coming. I could see it. I could see it. She had a plan, man. We got right to the door and she got right in front of me. I know what pastor said and I know, but you don't understand how important this is because the whole time you're preaching, God had me in visions and God had me in a translated place and he takes me through the crystal waterfalls and he takes me through because he knows when I was three and then when I was six, he knew. So he just treats me this because he knows how hard it was when I was growing up and and I'm like, whoa. And he said, well, she said, well, I'm the prophet in the church. And I said, stop, stop. She said, aren't you getting anything out of what I'm saying? I said, oh, yes. (laughs) I said, now watch, I didn't do it to hurt her, but I'm not going to just walk away, shake my head, and get in the car and go to the airport. She already put me in a position to love her. Come on. So I said, honey, you're living with a lot of unresolved hurt and conflict, and you're hiding behind the title prophet. You're disobeying your pastor. You're stopping me and you're trying to let me know all the hell you've been through at the same time trying to seem spiritual. You need help. You need somebody to love you and walk you through. It's time that you let truth touch your heart and change your heart. You're hiding behind what you're calling a gifting and honey, it's not cool. It's out of order. She said, what? What? But I'm a prophet. I said, honey, stop. It's over. Just stop. Pastor. And then I explained, and please follow through with her and please love her. I just called it. Tracking down the guest speaker makes her feel important. She's going to give me a word. She's not even supposed to detain me, but she can't not because she's drawing her lifeline from this stuff. And then the people in the church, wow, you talked to him? What'd you say? Oh, God really moved, gave him a word. He was touched. I'm just telling you. I've been around this thing I see what happens you better love people enough to talk to them now if you're just antagonized by her you better not say nothing you better get a grip on your heart if you're just frustrated with her and you're just busy calling her out setting her straight that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about trying to help her and stop the thing that's hurting her but I talked very pointed but very gentle probably had tears in my eyes tried to get her out of that thing you follow me? What good would it do to walk away, roll my eyes, get in the car, and then say to the driver, oh boy. I'd be missing Jesus by a million miles. And at the same time, singing Holy is the Lamb, feeling good about my song. Now I want to feel good about my life in God. and At the end of the day, look back and cry and say, you are so faithful. Life is a gift. Can't wait to see you in the morning. <laughs> That's a good way to wake up in the morning and not keep hugging your pillow. Because if you don't go to bed in faith, you'll never wake up in faith. You'll be afraid to face what you're not getting through. And then every day's a struggle. But if you make it all about Him and not about you, it's pretty easy. Because it doesn't matter who doesn't and who does, it matters that you understand you're on the earth to love somebody and to shine. You guys okay? I'm just cheering y'all on. You feel cheered on? You look. You you guys are like, you're really paying attention. This is good. So what do we want to do yet? (laughs) No, no. I was just asking Jesus here. That was my way of. It was my way of publicly asking Jesus, without maybe you knowing it. (laughs) Just keep preaching. I had an experience in California once. It was really fun. I was there, it was when I did long term stuff before I did my schedule I do now. I was there for five days. I preached five days and we had just a blast. I ministered a lot more personally in those days. Sometimes I wish I could, but I don't need to corporately. If I'm on a plane with you, you're going to get what's in me. When you're in a congregation, it's hard because then everybody comes to you for the answer. It's a paradox. It grieves me sometimes. It's like, if you pray for three sick people and get two words of knowledge, then everybody comes to the service hoping you call them out and you get to pray for them. And we don't have faith to grow in Christ and be the body of Christ. We're just looking for the person anointed. So I don't even share testimonies from the pulpit anymore. Like, I don't pray for people in services hardly anymore because you just don't believe how pursued you get by everybody that's in need. And then it misses the whole point of everything we're trying to accomplish. But in that day, I ministered a lot more. <laughs> and, uh, and I do. I mean, last night up here, people would ask for some prayer and stuff. You just do sometimes, but I don't do it openly. And even if I do something prophetically, I try to do it in disguise. And I try to cover it up. And even if I'm preaching prophetically, I, I try to do it where people don't realize. I don't like thus say the Lord or make it a prophetic expression. I have some friends in my life back a while back. They said, you hear a lot and you know a lot when you're preaching. You see a lot. I said, yeah. They said, you do it like undercover. I said, yeah, I do. (laughs) You just don't need everybody coming saying they need a word. You got one. Jesus loves you. (laughs) Now go be with him. And there's a time you need words, I understand. We don't despise prophecy. But what what I'm saying is, if we're not careful, make sure this isn't you. If we're not careful, we've produced a very needs-driven body of Christ and a ministry-crazed people that need prayer for everything. And the truth is, you don't need prayer for everything. You need truth in every situation. It's not ministry that makes you free, it's truth. So if you wake up in the morning and don't feel good and say, oh boy, it's going to be one of these days, let me call so-and-so, she'll pray me through, it's not a prayer issue. It's a truth issue. It's you waking up and getting a grip on your feelings and emotions and stop letting that stuff rule you and waiting for the tangible experience of an emotional change called prayer to where if you don't believe different, you're going to need it again anyway. Jesus is not a quick fix. He's a transformation. We've, we've ministered so much in the church because people need ministry. So we, like we, we'll come to a service. Ministers will spend their whole life in ministry doing this stuff. They'll get in a service like this and they'll talk about why people in here have become heavy laden and who treated you wrong and why our hearts have gotten broken. And then they'll pull out a scripture and say, but he mends the brokenhearted." And in no time he'd have over half of you coming up here crying. Broken. My calling is to teach you why you don't have to have a broken heart. Not expect that you always are because it's a tough week so now we have job security and we always have a crowd to minister to because there's a lot of hurting folks out there. Are you kidding me? I'm supposed to teach you why you don't have to be broken. Not expect that you are. (laughs) And if you are, The teaching itself brings healing. Countless people in my life said, man, I sat in your service and I was like, you didn't even pray for anybody. You're just preaching. It's like my whole perspective changed and I didn't even know why I was mad anymore. Man, I came in there hating one of my in-laws and all of a sudden I was realizing, wow, they just don't see and I'm letting them dictate me and wow, I'm the one deceived and I'm mad at them, duh. And all of a sudden the lights come on. Repentance can look really cool. It's like, duh. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden you see. And when you see, you can become. Isn't that awesome? Come on. It's just so good. So so. But I was in California. I was in this church. And every time I tried to quit preaching on the last night. Now, don't do it here because it's not going to work. It's just a story that happened then. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> saying you'll do it here. These guys were fun, man. They were off the hook with this. And, it, and I just played along with it. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. They, they were like, they, they were at a sporting event or something. They were a bunch of rowdy college kids or something at a college basketball game. Everybody was doing it. Like, it was my last night. It was the fifth night. And I said, well, okay. I'd zip my Bible and say, okay, I've got to close. And they would in unison, preach, 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 <laughs> preach, loud, all of them, preach, preach. And I thought, oh, my goodness, this isn't one or two zealots. And everybody else is thinking, please don't encourage him. He's trying to stop. This was, everybody preached. They did it like, I preached for over three hours. It was like three and a half hours, never quit, just preaching, scenarios, stories. And then we prayed for a whole bunch of people. In that service, the pastor's brother, hepatitis, came out of his body. And three clinics later, they discharged him and dismissed him, scratching their head and said, we don't even know what to tell you. Just go be okay. No markers, no antibodies, no nothing. Why? Because I preached, if you brought it into your life through sin, and sin is removed and forgiven, and you're a new creation, if God will never judge you for where you've been, why is where you've been judging you? And hepatitis said, ah, I'm exposed, I gotta go. (laughs) Guilt and condemnation and shame will give it a good firm foundation, though. Well, I probably shouldn't have went and did that stuff. You know, I knew better. Well, I brought it upon myself. At least He loves me and forgives me and one day I'll be in heaven, but I've got to reap what I sowed. Now your liver's swelling and hepatitis is wiping out your life. And somehow you're accepting it because you think you deserve it and earned it. When He forgave you and gave you a new life and made you a new bed and you ought to crawl in it and sleep because the sheets are changed. It's not your bed you're in, it's His. Oh. Good. Wow. Yay! <laughs> come on you know how many people hurt themselves through misconduct and now they feel different and believe different and if they could go back they would and they can't and the damage is already done in the natural and then, and then it leads to more regret and every time it flares up or every time they look at it or every time a wart or a blister or a something pops out they're like oh man why did I have to bummer duh. and then they don't like themselves for a little and they're mad at themselves and they're discouraged for a season Who knows that stuff happens to folks that have become good in their heart and changed and wish they could go back and do different. Who knows you can never go back and do different, but you can become different. You can't go change what you've done, but you can change. And when you change, you'll never be judged for where you've been. You'll be judged for what you've become because the blood speaks better things. And if any man be in Christ and he's a new creation, then old things pass away and behold Sounds like spirit, soul, and body, blameless till he comes. Sounds like the STD does have to go. Sounds like that thing has to come out of your blood. Sounds like if you're being judged righteous, you shouldn't be judged as a drug addict. If you're being judged as a son, you shouldn't be judged as promiscuous, Especially if you cried the right tears over that thing. Yeah? That's what happened to... His name was Bill. That's what happened to Bill. He lived his whole life in a certain way. and Hepatitis was eating him up. And he came up and cried. Pastor's brother. He said, I need change. He said, you wish you could go back and change all this stuff and do it over? Oh man, if I could have the chance. But see, you can. And the world's way is regret and it produces death. 2 Corinthians 7. It produces death. But God's way is Godly sorrow, which leads to repentance and vindication and clearing of yourself. And Yay. Yay. You know, I was in a service and a girl was so covered with genital warts that three different doctors or so, several doctors looked at her case and scratched their head and said, It's the most bizarre case. They don't come and go, they're 24 7, completely covered, intensely gross. I'm just being real. She was 17. She thought it was love. She said, I guess we can go all the way because he'll be my husband. And he wasn't her husband. He just slept with her. And she came away with genital warts. But not just genital warts. The most profuse case the doctors had ever seen. Now I'm in the church preaching where she attends. Guess how old she is? 34. Covered with genital warts for 17 years. Never had a boyfriend since that day wanted to be a wife wanted to be a mother wanted to have a family and now she doesn't want to bring a man into this because this is gross and she doesn't want to expect a man to jump the hurdle of this and live through the embarrassment of this so she just let Jesus be her husband and yet had a desire in her heart to someday be a mother and a a wife she heard this teaching and sat there and cried and cried and cried good tears godly sorrow tears she comes up It was a church of thousands, actually. It was a big church. Every once in a while, I slip into a big church. Not often, but I do. I like to be personal. I like afterward chatting. So you go to a big church, it's it's a mob scene. There's there's other reasons, actually. but There was so many people up front in this church of thousands that were carrying marks of their past. And I just prayed over them. It was too many to just pray one-on-one so I just prayed over them and then I couldn't stand it I got down touched a few people (laughs) just love people I was just having fun and hearing a few things and I got to her and I prayed and she just wept and wept I never asked what's wrong I don't it's none of my business it's my business that you go free and go down through the next day we come into church and she's over crying and she pulls me and pastor and his wife into an office tells the whole story in detail 17 years, guys, she's carrying the mark of a 17-year-old's mistake. Doesn't sound like much mercy in that, huh? I guess there's no mercy out there. I guess the devil's not too merciful, huh? I guess genital warts don't have too much mercy behind it. I guess it's judgment, and you reap what you sow, and you brought it on yourself. And <sighs> She's at her door she gets out her key and she's opening her door to her house and the spirit of the Lord hovered over her touched her tangibly and she said Jesus because she loves him and he loves her and he's not grossed out by those things he says don't be afraid to look and see what I've done to your body she started crying she ran into the house and checked herself there's not one single word on her body she cries and cries and cries and then she cries, and she finally falls asleep way early in the morning. She said she slept for a couple of hours. She popped open her eyes, and it was like, was that a dream? She inspected herself. Not one word on her body. So she came and told us that story in the morning, and I just thought it was sweet and precious. And then she cries and looks at me and says, who knows? Perhaps now I can find a man of God and get married and still be a mother. You know, I said, probably that's going to work out all right. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> oh, I bet you that'll happen, huh? <laughs> You'll see the emails I get and the phone calls. Young girls that are just want to be loved and want to feel valued. And they sleep with a man that they're sure it's right. And they know in their heart it's not, but they fall into it. And they're looking for... And some of them are Christians while wow, this is all happening. And next thing you know, they got HPV and it's incurable or it's in their nervous system. And they hear this message and they cry before the Lord and they say, Lord, I realized what I've done. And if I knew now what I know, if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have done it. I don't ever want to live that way, God. And all of a sudden, there's this thing called mercy that triumphs over judgment. And it comes down over them in their bedrooms. Oh, it's happened so much. Cindy, it's so fun. And the STD just leaves. Yay. I just met a guy who said he was watching on YouTube and he was on his cell phone and he was crying because he was suffering from hepatitis from dirty needles. And he's a Christian now. He said, well, I was praying for people on the video, whatever video it was. He said he put the phone on his liver. And he said, Lord, I hear what this man's saying, and I, I can't go back, but man, if I could. And the Spirit of God came upon him. He's been tested several times now. No hepatitis. Yeah. Isn't that good? I don't usually do this on a Saturday morning, afternoon, but... Why don't we do it? It's just in my heart. Amen. I wouldn't be going here if it didn't fit the room. Amen. There's somebody here. And don't you be ashamed and embarrassed. Listen to me carefully. Everyone in this room has sinned and fallen short sure of the glory of God. Everyone in this room has made mistakes and lived outside of God in his kingdom. There's people here that deserve a mark and never got one. There's no fairness. There's no mercy except in him. There's marriages that have to try to hurdle that stuff that came from teenage years. There's marriages that have passed it on to one another, the mistake of yesterday. And I'm telling you, that thing can come out of your marriage, your family, and your life. It doesn't have to be a disease. You could have just been mad one day and went out on a binge. You could have just overreacted and drank more than you ever drank. And you know you've never been quite the same since. You just can't concentrate. Your memory's not the same. Something about you changed When you came back to yourself. I'm telling you. People get mad. And they go. And they think. I'll go binge. They go binge. But yet from that day. They know they're not the same. You talk to folks. They'll tell you. Jesus can make you the same. And all you need to do. Is know this. That if I could go back. And do it different. I would. It's the only thing. That qualifies you. And then his mercy comes. And does the rest. We've seen girls that were cutters. All their scars disappear. I was just in a service where an 18-year-old girl burned with cigarette butts and cut her body in many places. She stood at the altar, trembled and cried, and couldn't find anywhere that she damaged. 18 years old. That'll mess you up. That'll make you happy. In your heart. (laughs) My buddy Todd just told me a girl in Switzerland came to a meeting. She was a heroin addict, and she got delivered and born again and they baptized her and all her scars disappeared and somehow I don't know the whole story but she ended up people finding out her story she ended up praying for all these girls that were cutters and I don't know if it was in a meeting or whatever but or calling them or over the internet but everybody was getting free and clean and I was in two different services where a girl was so marked up that she wore long sleeves on 80 degree days because she was just done explaining away her appearance. So Jesus gave a brand new skin. Two times I saw that happen where they were covered their clothing because they were tired of explaining and Jesus made it all brand new. I was in a service where a boy with a razor blade carved a purple railroad track on his forearm and went over the same marks over and over and over. And we watched as his mother freaked out we watched it disappear. <laughs> you say, I don't believe that. Man, I understand unbelief's a problem in the body of Christ. <laughs> so either I'm making up stories and I'm a real sicko. And I need help. Because if I'm lying about that, I need help. I'm telling you the truth of what's possible. And we ought to already believe it anyway because he's Lord. The Bible says he breathed into dirt and a man stood up. (laughs) 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 Come on, guys. That is a pretty wild Christian story. Guys doing good back there? Good to see you. (laughs) So God goes... Into dirt, and a human stands up. Oops. So we're the way off, and need to start reading some other books, or he's amazing. (laughs) Whoa! (laughs) Come on. A man stood up with a brain, a spinal cord. Anatomy. Out of dirt. I don't think he went. (laughs) If he did, I'm so way impressed. But I don't even think he did that. I think he just. And a human being. See, this is the kind of stuff that gets in my. This is it's Holy Spirit's fault. This is stuff he does to me. He gets me to see that stuff. And it's. ah. First time I saw that, I was in a service and a girl was 14 years old. And she had TMJ so bad that all the calcium deposits that were built up turned into one solid bone and the joint of her jaw was completely missing. It was one solid bone. She was 14, so she has growth platelets and stuff in her body still going on. So they were going to wait till she's 18. So for four years, she was going to eat through a straw and, and, and drink through a straw and eat food through the straw for four years. Her jaw was frozen. It was so much pressure on this side that this side popped out a joint. So she looks like she has her jaw wired from an accident and when she talks she says, well I can't talk because I have this severe case of TN 14! So without the gospel, four years later maybe they can help her. They were going to break her jaw manually and put an artificial joint in there and try to fix her. So they were going to do their best attempt and thank God for all that. I'm not against any of that. But with the gospel you can pray and believe. so we go to pray for her, and this was back in the day when I prayed for everybody. Yeah, I took my time, prayed for everybody in the church, but you became everybody's hero. And <laughs> it's just not cool to me. I, I changed a lot over the years. I said, I was ready to pray for her, and her mom just starts bawling because to mom, it's his crunch time. We think, well, it's either now or never. Either he is or he isn't. You know, moms are just the best. She's like, <laughs> she's standing right behind her little girl. And I'm ready to pray for it. And I just started bursting out laughing. And it just didn't seem timely. It was all serious. I just got silly. I mean, kind of like you, man. Just got happy. I just, (laughs) a little bit of Jesse got on me. And she's just looking at me. And mom's like, Am I missing something here? And I said, I just got the most amazing revelation. I said, honey, God breathed into dirt. And a man stood up. He can fix your jaw. That's what I said. And she's like, really? I just took two fingers. I touched. As soon as I touched her, I felt like break. It was just felt really weird. Like, and she went, And she started to fill with tears. And I said, honey, God just broke your jaw. (laughs) And she went, and I said, does it hurt? I said, why are you crying? Because I felt it. I said, well, honey, I just got this other amazing thought. If God broke your jaw, it's not to break it, it's to fix it, why don't you open your mouth? And she went, (laughs) completely healed. One revelation. One revelation, revelation. Wow, if he breathed into dirt, wow. And the way revelation works, you just see that. You don't replay it. You don't write a book. Everybody you pray for, you say that and they'll all get healed. It's, that's what we do. We turn, we turn moments in God into methods. Yeah. <laughs> ah. So God is so loving. The next week, they, don't have a, they didn't have a Sunday morning church. They had Saturday night service where I was. So they were just across town where she went to church. About 40 minutes away, actually. So Sunday, I was preaching at our church. And I'm preaching, and I look out, and I see her and her mom. I see their faces out in the crowd. And I'm in the middle of my wonderful sermon. And I went, hey, guys. And everybody's like, what's he doing now? You know, who's he seeing? And, and I'm like, how are you? I said, honey, what's going on? And she went. <laughs> Just what she did from the seat. I said, You gotta come up here. So they come running up, and everybody's like, What's going on? So we told the story, place went crazy, yay, yay, yay. But listen to the sense of humor of God. She went to school on Monday. And she got her the menu, she got her lunch, because now she can eat the school lunch. And she didn't want the main menu, so she was getting the alternative, whatever. And she thought, oh, I'll just get that. I don't really like that. I'll get that. But on that was the corn on the cob. One of them little four inch corn on the cob things, you know? She gets her little lunch and she sits there and goes, and she just said it was glory to God. She just sat there and worshiped God eating her corn. Because Saturday, she couldn't even open her mouth. And now she's going, ting, ting, Gotta, so without the gospel, you gotta wait four years and drink through a straw. But with the gospel, it makes it possible, man. It makes it possible. And just because you didn't always see this stuff, don't think it ain't possible, see? Don't let your experience trump the truth. Don't you pray for somebody and not see a change and then decide what truth is when truth's already decided. Don't you take this stuff personal, you take this personal. The will of God's revealed through Jesus and his life. And we're growing in the truth. And don't you stop till you get there. Don't you change your mind every time something doesn't work the way you prayed. You let your life be changed and you grow up into Him. And learn how to stay humble and walk in love and stay faith filled. And not get in a quandary and just become more analytically uh, inclined than you are spirit led. Don't let your mind speak louder than the truth. Come on, I lost my own mama to sickness at age 68. It hasn't changed me. It doesn't have to change you. You don't covet your mother at the cost of truth. You love your mother in light of truth. Come on. You don't make your mother matter more than eternity and truth. If it wasn't for him, none of this would be. Don't get confused and get so personal and covet things. God didn't give you children at the cost of who He is. God gave you children in light of who He is. How many people have had tragedy and trouble with their children and they cut off God because they're confused. And everybody around them that's confused cheers them on. Okay, i got to go back to something because we already started and then we'll be done. If you got something in your body today, I, don't, I just I only want you coming up here if you fit this description. Don't just come up here because you want prayer, please. I don't know why I just said that, but I said that. Want like that. I want him to lay hands on me. <laughs> don't. I will call you out. I will discern that. <laughs> <laughs> and I will miss you when I go by. <laughs> I'll lay hands on a fly. And, oh. Stop that. It was you? You, did you say that? He said, it was me. Good, now that we got that out of the way, Chris. No, seriously, seriously, listen. It doesn't matter what it is. Nobody needs to know it's nobody's business. We've all made mistakes. I did things in my life that I should have been marked, and I wasn't. I know people that did one thing, made one mistake. I met a lady in her early 50's who had the same husband for 30 years and never slept with a man but him. That's amazing. And after 30 years of marriage, he got twisted up and ran off with a girl about 15 years younger. And she lost it, lost her identity. Not a woman anymore, don't have it. I'm in my 50s. Wow. He ran off younger model. I guess I'm not a woman. I guess I'm aged. I guess now I'm alone and my husband and oh, and in short time this fella comes and starts saying things that she so needs to hear. Thirty years, same man. Never slept with anyone but him. And in a moment of time, she's in a bed with this man that's saying what she needs to hear. And in the act of what they were doing. She came to herself, got horrified, said, I can't do this. Got him away, grabbed her things and ran crying to her home. That's a tough day for her lady. She's bawling at her home, feeling like she's just crossed every line and just feels. Now her body starts acting funny. She goes to the family doctor who knows her. And he looks at her strange after testing her and says, honey, we need to talk. What's going on? You have an incurable form of herpes and it's in your nerves and it's going to hurt your organs and cut years off of your life. One mistake in a whirlwind of emotion. One mistake losing sight of her identity and truth through the actions of a man. Letting one man's sin decide who she was and take her down. So I'm at the altar praying. And I get to her and she grabs my arm and says, I'm not that kind of girl, I'm not that kind of girl, I'm not that kind of girl. Now she's got me like, I'm like, honey, stop, I don't need to know, I don't want to know. She tells me the whole story in my ear. Now I'm really caught up, because that story gets you. And now you're looking at her, crying, saying I'm not that kind of girl, and you realize what happened. And I just looked at her and I said, honey, look at me. I'm telling you, this. look me in the eyes. And she's doing the look down thing. She look me in the eyes because you don't want her ashamed. I said, that's coming out of you and ain't nothing nobody can do about it. You say, Dan, that's arrogant. No, that's the gospel. And if I say that in the moment, you just leave me alone. If it doesn't come out, then you deal with me. You better wait. You better wait just a minute. Because <laughs> I don't always say that stuff. But I said it then, and it was no joke. I said, no, you look at me, girl. That's coming out of you, and ain't nothing nobody can do about it. And There wasn't no thunder or lightning, and she didn't fall out in the spirit. I just said, you get out of her herpes. You come out of her body. You come out of her blood, her nerves, in Jesus' name. I just went on down the line. I saw her six weeks later. She come running up to me. She's shining like a light bulb. I said, guess what, guess what? I said, what? (laughs) Tell me something, girl. (laughs) She said, it's not there. It's not there. They've run every sort of test and it's not there. I said, of course it isn't there. Do you know why? She said, because God is amazing. He's merciful. He's loving. He's so kind. I said, well, you're right, but that's not the answer I was looking for. Because everything you just said he is needs a place to land, honey let me tell you why it's not there. I tipped her chin and said, because you're not that kind of girl. (laughs) And God likes that. That didn't take no glory from him. He needs a place to land. And when there's repentance and you wish you didn't do what you did, then everything you just worshipped him for can come upon you. Oh dude, come on. That's like oh, so the gospel. Oh. So good. <laughs> oh my god. The Lord said to me a long time ago, "Do you know why you live the way you do?" I knew what he meant because there's a, you I, you don't live with me, I do. I wake up the same every day. I don't have to try to be okay ever. Amen. Like nothing changes what you see in me ever. Anybody that's ever seen me a lot has never seen me anything other than this. I don't know how to be anything else. And the Lord said, do you know why you live the way you do? Not step into the, what you step into, but live the way you do. And I said, yeah, because you're faithful and your mercy abounds. And I started to honor him because you know you are what you are by the grace of God. And he said, Dan, that's not the answer I was looking for. And I said, Lord, it's the only answer. And then you're wondering what voice you're hearing. And that's when he taught me. He said, Dan, everything you worship me to be needs a place to land in your life and manifest. He said, so everything you said about me is absolutely true and brings me honor. But let me tell you why you live the way you live every day. And I said, why? And I was in a worship service ready to preach and got totally toasted, bad, messed up. It was ugly. I think they videoed it for about a half hour. I just stood there and cried and tried to talk and I don't even know what was happening. But he said on the day you were saved, on that night you were saved in June at the warehouse, you, you saw your need for me and you were sin conscious for a moment in time. You looked in and saw the condition of your heart for a moment in time you were aware of your sin. But ever since that moment, you've been a son in your heart. And everything you praise me for has a place to manifest in your life because you know that you're mine and that you belong. And I went, wow, it's that simple? Sonship. So that's where he taught me that. So when I said that to that girl, the reason it wasn't there is because she's not that kind of girl. Isn't that cool? So if you change, why should you be judged for what you're not? If heaven will never bring it up. So I need you to come up here real quick. We won't be long with it. If you're carrying anything from yesterday, any mistake you made and it's in your life, I don't care if it's a blood disease, I don't care if it's something serious, I don't care if it's just you feel like you hurt an organ because you indulged in something or you don't have the same concentration level you used to and you can just tell that something's not right and you connect it to former activity. I just prayed for a man the other week. He took a bunch of steroids, bodybuilding, and damaged some things in his body and asked God to forgive him and said, I should have never put that in my body. Who knows, God will fix him. It doesn't have to be disease and sexual stuff and have to be all kind of sin, but don't don't be ashamed to come up here if it fits and it's you're carrying that thing. Especially I feel like there's a marriage that has to had to jump a hurdle because of that. If you're here, that thing can come out of your marriage. So I need you to come on up here. Don't stay in your chair if you fit the description. Please be humble. Start the way for somebody. If you come, other people will come. Don't be ashamed. When you come up here, here's what you're saying. You're saying this isn't who I am. This is not who I am. Guys, I'm so proud of you for just coming. Now listen, you're saying this isn't who I am. And if I knew what I knew now, I probably wouldn't have been or did what I've been and did then. Who says that that would be true in their life? Mm-hmm. So this isn't about being ashamed at all. This is about being forgiven, loved, and restored. Yay? Yeah. Guys, what's so cool is, everybody in this room, who here has never sinned and missed the mark? <laughs> wow, nobody raised their hand. So we're all in the same boat. Who in this room did things that deserved a mark? They just never got one. Maybe you ought to turn around and look at that. Okay, guys, come on up here. Come on up here. You can get up here. I'll get to you. Well, give me me a room to slide through. I'm going to pray for you all. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to thank God right now that He loves you, every one of you. Just, Just make this about Him, not me praying for you. In fact, when there's a certain amount of people, I don't even pray for everybody. Sometimes I just pray corporately. You don't need me to touch you. You need Him to touch you. I, I promise you, He will. If you could change where you've been and what you've done, you would, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. If you could go back and make some things right and do some things different, would you? Can everybody up here tell me you have an honest yes in your heart? Then that qualifies you for redemption and mercy. That's good tears right there. That's, that's amazing. Don't ever let them be regret, godly sorrow. Say, man. See, I tell people, sometimes we've learned a, a hard lesson but a lesson nonetheless. So let's learn and grow and become wiser because of it. Amen? Thank you for listening. You can find more information about Presence Church at www.presenceoc.org.